Now I know everyone's, everyone's not gonna be ready for what I'm about to say. And it's gonna, you're gonna think it's not sad speaking right now. Next negative, Tommy Thompson. Bay Area, stand up and let's be heard. This summit has been created by the people, for the people. No more no This is everything and anything San Jose Earthquake related. This is Aftershock. Vamos San Jose. Welcome back to the Aftershock. Let's talk some news. Man, I mean, this was a very interesting game. Obviously, 0-0 isn't the most fun scoreline, especially when the last outing was 3-3. And in a small vacuum, this is a really great result versus a pretty decent team. And considering we had a big rotation of the squad, and we just had a week off. I could take a road point, but we also had a very poor start to the season, so we do need to chip away at the standings. So it's frustrating on both ends, and I just feel like it's a repeated theme and thing I have to say every season and every game. Now, I believe we're gonna be without Cade Cal for about a week or two, as Nico Chikaris and him were called up to the U20 national team. They're up in Honduras right now. Nico already left. Cade obviously left after this game. I believe it was like right after the game. He just took a straight flight away with uh, not with the team. Uh, Nico probably just wasn't in the plans. Cade obviously was. He had a very good game. I I really liked what I saw from him, and I thought the substitution came at a great time. Uh, but we can get more into that. And if you want to know more about specifically the game highlights and the game itself, you can check out the aftershock, whether it be on Instagram, TikTok, or even this YouTube channel. You can just even click a little thing up here if you're watching on YouTube and not listening on Spotify, and it can redirect you to that video after you're done with this one. And now, moving on to trophies. Rumors are that there are some Mexican clubs looking at him right now, breaking by Fabian Rankle on uh, Twitter. You can even check out Tectonic Takes. They'll give you some of the information on that. How much is true, how much is not, we don't know, but it is kind of seeming that he is leaving. I just don't know if we can afford it or if we want to, especially Montero playing so well. And after some of the last home games, Trophies is going into the crowd like a rock star. I think it's a friendly, good way to end. I don't think it's going to be a nasty way to end. And I don't think we want to injure him more so that the market value can maybe go up, even though it's not us selling him. Or maybe potentially we're not playing him and acting like he's injured. That way we could get him for less. It's really 50-50, but I do see Trophies leaving end of June. And maybe the Cali Classico will be his farewell tour if he even gets in. Maybe a substitution appearance. We'll see. Now, let's start with the negatives. Early on, I saw us using tactics that were very similar to the Sacramento loss. There's something you saw, I saw a Man United do under, I believe it was Jose Mourinho, maybe near the end of his time. I'm not sure. It was a Man United. They didn't invent it, but I saw Man United using it. It's really where the center backs get really big, and then the fullbacks really go up into the wing positions. The wingers tuck in. So they're secondary strikers. The strikers say central, but then a center mid will slot in that spot between center back and fullback. This is allowed to move the ball forward. And then they, you just are against that back line. So you outnumber them and you can attack. It really works well if you can get the ball up there and then you have the numbers and it's a very quick, especially if you have a quick attack like us, it could work very well. The problem is, and I think we saw this mostly in the Sacramento Republic game. And again, I don't know if this was the tactics or Maybe just Young Gregoosh. I saw him mostly doing it. Young Gregoosh doing this a lot because it was just kind of how he likes to play, going in between and then creating number advantage and then moving forward. And it was just kind of what happened. But 
if it was a tactic the reason i didn't like it because we saw a lot in the sac republic game and we saw it in the early parts of this game is it ends up just leaving us outnumbered in the midfield and then also really susceptible to a counter attack because we don't have anyone to pass it to once it gets to gray goosh because the long ball just isn't there immediately and then when we lose the ball if we lose it in the middle because whether it be montero yule or whoever's on the other side or maybe he's had to check in somewhere else then it's about a 3v4 <laughs> and three of the r4 are the back line because usually a fullback is out or gregor's just having to step and then it's just one single midfielder and that whole space is open i'm glad we moved away from it so that was really good to see who our triggers need to be much better and just this is a teamwork thing and an iq thing if you don't know what i'm talking about i'll give you an example just a very simple soccer play if the ball is with the winger let's just say it's with Cade cowell let's just say we're playing our 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3 we have Cade Cal out on the left, and let's just say Paul Marie is playing left back for this game. Or we could even say Marcos Lopez, whoever you need to make. Let's just say it's Lopez. Let's say Cade Cal starts to tuck in. The ball's on the right side with Espinoza. Cade starts to tuck in. The defense will also tuck in with him. We're making their job easier now. It's tucking in. But there's a huge spot on the left. As the ball's transitioning over, Lopez should see that and see that his overlap is available and run through it. Now, each to its own. Maybe Kobe says the tactics aren't to overlap. Maybe be defensive first. Maybe Nashville is a counterattack team. But there are times I feel like we were doing it really late and we didn't have the quick option to play or we just weren't playing off each other. It's learning each other's play styles and doing just pattern plays. Now, obviously, soccer is a very free-flowing game, but there also are a lot of tactics and knowing your teammates and knowing what the defense isn't good, as, good at and you should learn as the game is going through. So I want our triggers to be better. And honestly... I'd say the two best at it are Montero and Jabo. They play great off each other. They've really learned how to, when uh, Jabo checks, Montero to run off. And Montero, or when Jabo's running, Montero can look for that slide ball in, or he goes into the negative space. So Jabo takes all the defense with him and then he's open. Those, and that's why I've been calling them the, uh, the dynamic duo. They've been really great at it. I just need to see it from more of the team. Ooh. Now I know everyone's, everyone's not going to be ready for what I'm about to say. And it's gonna, you're going to think it's not sad speaking right now. My next negative is with Tommy Thompson. I know, I know, me speaking poorly about the GOAT. Ah, he just looks like he's struggling physically. He doesn't look as quick, he doesn't look as fast. I thought it was game fitness game back, maybe. And he honestly looks a little bit bigger. I think that knee injury really affected him. He had the shoulder injury early on last year, really set him back. Then he had the knee injury, and I believe he had a restrain either with the cat, or sorry, the quad or the knee, I'm not 100% sure. But he's just looking slower. He's not looking as agile. Offensively, I think he was great, and we'll get to that later, but defensively and just physically, I mean, usually he comes top in the fitness test every year. You haven't really heard much about it, and it's just getting his legs back under him, so I'm just concerned for that, and the fact we just had him play a full 90, I wonder what the recovery is going to be like. I could be wrong as well. Maybe it's just I'm looking too far into it, but for me, it just he's not looking as sharp as usual. Another game where I need Espinosa to get more involved. I just have to get him more involved. The wing play was great. I thought he was great when the ball went out wide. I thought it really helped it open up space. And by great, I mean good. It was average, it's not DP standard. And you know, that's just, maybe I expect more from him because he did so well for us when we were doing really bad. Well, now that we're doing much better now. And I, I mean, when you come with a big price tag, I expect more from you. It's just, it, maybe it's a little unfair, but also you're taking a lot of the budget. But I need to see him go directly, people. I need to see those 1v1 opportunities again. I, I love that Cade Cal's going in. I love that Montero's going in. I love that Jabo's looking great. But am I paying $1.3 million or however much we're playing, paying for Espinosa and using a DP spot 
just so he can be out wide and get the ball and then kind of run down the line and then play a negative. I think he plays better when Tommy Thompson's with him because I think Tommy likes to overlap more and he's more creative in the offense. But when it is going indirect, I need more from Espinoza. The last one I have is the fans. I think we need to watch the game and I think we need to watch just not the highlights and not just the score. I saw so much rhetoric. Uh, I was busy Saturday, so I had to watch a recording. But I saw so many people saying, Palmery, 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 this, Palmery, that, man of the match, man of the match, best player we have, best player we have, this, that, the other. I didn't see that. I thought this was Palmery's best game start to finish. I thought at worst, I would rate him at pretty good. I thought, I thought he had a damn good game. Don't get me wrong. And there were moments where he was really good. But it wasn't revolutionary. I, thought, I think our, our standards are really low. I thought it was just a just a crazy solid performance. Didn't let us down. I can think of. Obviously, he had the big sliding save, and I think that's why people want to give to him. He was beating a lot of people one v one in our third. I wish he would have done a little bit higher up, like he does other games. Maybe not. And you know what? Maybe that's why he did better late game because he didn't have to make those as many runs forward. But I didn't think he was like man of the match. I didn't think it was a revolutionary game. I think that's what we should be seeing from him every game, maybe a little bit less. Maybe he was really, really good this game, but the consistency is what I would want from our players game in and game out. So I just think the fans need to watch a little bit more and give our team praise. I think we're a bunch of haters, <laughs> but also don't just jump on these bandwagons the same way we did with Matt Bersano. Bersano should be starting. Bersano should be starting. Bersano should be starting. Bersano makes one kind of mistake in the open cup game. Emmy should be starting. Emmy should be starting. Start him in the Open Cup games. JT should have started the Open Cup games. Emmy should just be starting all our games. He's a young, promising talent. Let's just breathe a little. Let's just breathe a little, okay? Let's watch the games. I understand it's a game-to-game game basis. And let's move forward. But now, let's move on to the positives. My first positive, Paul Marie. I know I was just kind of slowing him, but... Man, he had a really good game. It was consistent from start to finish. It didn't, he didn't tire out. He was great. He was beating people. He came back. He was in positions a lot of time. I thought it was just a solid performance. And that's what I want for my players. Not that I just want it to be average, but like 8 out of 10s. Not that I think it was like a 8 out of 10, especially if you've seen some of my old rankings. But just like solid. It was really good. It didn't have too many complaints. Didn't have too many highlights. Obviously, he had the lighting saving. He had a couple of 1v1 beats that were really sick. But that's all I want for my players. Just bang average is great like really good yep you're good you're good you're good the best way i can describe this to people and i was trying to explain it earlier and it was, it was mostly when i was trying to describe young gray goosh because Gray Goosh doesn't do all these flashy things montero does or yule at times and sometimes i question Gray Goosh. i'm like oh he's not that great he's not doing this that but it's the same thing with Romady. It's kind of like role players. Imagine you're on FIFA and you have a bunch of bronze players. You have a bunch of just not great players, but then you have that one high rated bronze or maybe you have that one silver player and he's great. But then as you go up a division, all your players are silver and your great player who is messy for you, but he's just silver. is now just a buck average player. That's kind of like our squad like Erickson or maybe I don't want to say trophies from last season because he's been injured this season so we don't really get to see it a star in a rough team once the team gets better may just be an average player but you need a bunch of those average players because like in FIFA as you go up the divisions you might just have a bunch of gold players or silver players that are just bang average but your team is solid because you went from having players that couldn't pass to everyone can pass decently I just don't have a make or break star 
And he may have seen like a make or break star when the team was really bad. But now that the team is better and the whole average is better, and we've gone up a few divisions, everyone's just bang average. Well, you need a bunch of those role players or bang average players that can just do everything simple and everything perfect. And that's how Paul Marie played in this game. And I think that's been a lot of young Grey Goose's role. So I think we just need more of that. And I think that is what will help us. And then we can build the stars. You know I couldn't not hype up the GOAT. Tommy was so involved in this game offensively, and I just feel like every other play, he was the hockey assist for the play, or he was just passing and moving around. He started a lot of good buildups. I feel like our attack went through the right a lot. Maybe that's because that's what I noticed it more wide and capable more tucked in this game, so it didn't allow Paul to really, Paul Marie, to have a lot of options to go forward. But Tommy was involved. He got forward. He had that sick volley. He almost had that follow-up, but the keeper got it from the young Greg Ush, and I think it was the 86 minute. So, way to go, Tommy. Just get involved. I'll just work on the fitness. I liked the Shea Salinas substitution because it showed that he's not stuck in that fullback position. That was a concern of mine with Tommy, that he's just been stuck at that right back position and he can't get out of it. Shea started at the wing and then he moved back to left back. I think that's what we need. I think that's a perfect example of what Shea Salinas and maybe even Tommy Thompson can bring to the table. Let's put them in different spots and where we need them. Yudson maybe even. And I think it's just great to see that everyone's not stuck in their ways. And I, that also goes to two other points. Christian Espinoza, he can be subbed. I love that. He was starting to get tired. Get him out of there. He's tired. Get a new guy in. I like to see that he's not an untouchable. It's the same thing I've been seeing with Yule. And then going going on to the Yudson point. Oof, that Yudson to Romedi sub. I love it. Even if we were to flip it for a game, I think Romedi odds adds more offensively for us and he wins the foul and his coverage is a little bit better as far as positioning even though the first breakaway that Paul Marie had to save was because of his ball watching but nonetheless I think Yudson does a little bit more pressing so if you're really tired after having to deal with Romady for 70 minutes and then you have fresh leg Yudson coming in oof that's got to be exhausting I love that tactical decision don't have to put them both on the field at the same time let's use the depth and that goes on to my next point. The depth was great. We had a big rotation of squad, whether it be international doobie with players like Calvo and Marcos Lopez, or if it be injuries like Jackson Yule and Chofis. It's just great to see that we have a lot of rotation. And some of the guys that we were iffy, we didn't know, and we're like, oh God, we don't have as big a rotation. They showed they did good this game. It was a good point. It was a good point and we can just look on and move forward. It's great to see Jack Skane get into the rotation. It's a shame it was for all of 10 seconds though. He's breaking into the squad. I think he has a lot to improve, but I think he's improved a lot from last year. That's for damn sure. In the few games that I've seen him, you can see he's been putting in the work. You see that he's improving by being around better players, higher quality players than you might have seen at college or some of the USL teams. So it's great to see Jack Skane start to get in the rotation but hopefully for a little bit longer. And then finally, Montero. Woo! That boy wins a lot of ball. There were multiple times I saw him back in our defensive half winning ball. And I'm like, player that we talked about earlier in the season? Because I remember when he first got transferred, all the rumors was, problem in the locker room. Doesn't want to play center mid. He says if he plays center mid, he doesn't want to play more. He'll play attacking mid. I think he's played more defense than some of our defenders this season. And he kind of goes into a center mid role. I've been loving the Montero show. And I've met him a few times. He's been super great. I don't know what he's like in the locker room. And it seems him and Jabo are linking up fantastically. So I'm here for the Montero show. Now for the unsung moment of the game. For me, this is multiple moments for the game. So it's a bit of a cheat. But it goes to Jabo checking to the ball and receiving it deep. 
The reason is because he wasn't getting a lot of service this game. It wasn't like the LAFC game where he was being fed. It really was selective moments, and he wasn't seeing the ball. The front line wasn't seeing a lot of the ball, and when it was, maybe it went to Espinosa out wide or Cade when he had multiple numbers. So when Ajabo was doing a great job of checking in and getting opportunities, the best I can think of is when Tommy got the ball, and then Jabo checked pretty much to midfield, flicks it on to Grey Goose. Grey Goose drives, gives it to Cade. Cade gets the shot off, obviously saved because it's 0-0. Zero, zero. But that's just a good example of looking for space, trying to get involved in the game, keeping the touches going, good work rate. So my unsung moment of the match goes to Jabo for really just getting involved and making sure he gets touches. Now for the unsung hero or player of the match. This goes to Montero, man. All I saw was obviously... Obviously, I saw JT got man of the match because he got all the saves. And then a lot of people were saying Paul Marie for the save. But man, Montero, he just won so much ball for us, especially for an attacking mid. He was creating so much offense for us. And now here's the big thing that people are going to say. Well, he didn't have the through balls. He didn't have the assist. He didn't have the 1v1 creativity. That's not what I'm talking about. Rewatch the game. Look at the space that he created by either drifting wide and then telling J-Bo to check in in those spaces checking for one direction so that Cade or Espinosa would have a little bit more space. Is that off-ball movement to get the guy who may not even see the ball. It's two or three moves deep. There's levels to this game when Montero is playing, and that's high-quality soccer, and it's just great to see, and that's why he's my unsung player of the match. Now for fan questions, or in this case, fan question. This comes from Ivan Lara 408 Shout-out Ivan Lara. He asked, fun question, odds of Kuwait's winning the league? Well, you know, you never say die, right? In rock, paper, scissors, or MLS is rock, paper, scissors. You never know how the matchups could be. It's just getting the playoffs would be our hardest thing. And then I think teams wake up more in playoffs. Like if we play LAFC or LA Galaxy now, I think we have a good chance against them. If we play them in the Western Conference Finals, I think we have a great chance against them. But that first or second round, I think they wake up. I think we saw it with Portland last year. I mean, they made it all the way to the finals and they had a horrendous start. Same thing now, Sporting Kansas City might wake up. I don't know if they will as much because they're missing a lot of stars. Portland might just start to wake up. Seattle's probably starting to wake up a little bit. There's still a few games behind. It's a long time. And I think they'll start those bigger teams that are having more experience will peak during those times. Austin's cooled off a little bit, but they had a red hot start. They're still great. So it's, it's not looking great, I'm gonna be honest. But Goonies never say die.